Welcome to the sermon podcast for Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Central South Carolina. We thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from the Word of God, and we pray that God will both bless you and speak to you as you listen and apply His Word to your life. I'm going to try it this way. We'll see how that works. May have to move my Bible over here as we're growing and adjusting to how we do things a little bit. But uh, I just realized something else as we were singing that song. I love to sing. Um, I could not be a worship leader. I cry too much when I'm singing. So uh, the, listen to those words. His mercy is more. His mercy is more. Our sins, they are many. How many of you can just go ahead and confess right now? God, my sins are many. I, I know they are. Right? Just, I, mean, just, I mean, I'm not going to make fun of you because my hand's up. But the, no matter how many times I sin, no matter how often I sin, I don't want to sin. I really don't. Uh, I hate when I sin. I know I do sin. And there are some days I sin more than others. And there are some days I, not out of arrogance, but I think now I'm doing pretty good. I, I, even when I say that, it sounds arrogant. Maybe it is arrogant, and that's a sin. But there's days when I really struggle. But God's grace is more. His, our sins, they may be many, but His grace is more. How many can just say thank you, God, for that right there? Amen. I tell you what. Open your Bibles. I'm going to do it this way. I'm just going to go ahead and open your Bible, if you would, this morning. Again, to Mark, as we are in a passage of Scripture that, to be quite honest with you, uh, as I looked at it, it was just reading ahead, I was like, I really don't want to preach on this. I didn't want to preach on sin last week. I, I, the, the cutting off your hand and plucking out your eye and, and so forth and so on. And there's some passages I just rather not deal with. And this is certainly one because the issue of divorce plagues so many people. And I say plague, I'll get to that eventually, but it, it, it's just... It's hard. It's hard. And whether it's the world or whether it's in the church, it just is everywhere. And it's such an issue. And, and I was looking at this going, man, I, this is not going to be one that I enjoy. But the more I studied it, the more I was like, wow, there's just so much here. And so this morning, while my intention all week long was leading up into even Thursday as I sent the title to Ute was, I'm going to preach this whole section of Scripture. And then as I continued my to finish my thoughts, because the holiday kind of pushed me back a, a day or so, and even on Friday, even Saturday, uh, finishing up my, my sermon thoughts, I was like, I'm not going to get through this. And in fact... I'm not even going to get through the first couple of verses this morning. In fact, I'm not even going to get to the main, what I thought was going to be the main topic, divorce. We will get there, just not going to get there this morning. But if you would, if you've got your Bible, hold it up there with me. And again, I did not change it in the bulletin, but I meant to, but we're going to say it uh, this is the Word of God, so if you would, just hold your Bible up and say along with me, this is the Word of God. I will read it, 
I will believe it. I will obey it by the grace of God. Let's read this again as Mark read it this morning. We're going to read all 12 verses again. But again, like I said, we're not going to get through the whole thing. So nobody panic. Um, just bear with me. That's verse 1. And he arose from thence. Well, where? Where he was teaching about sin and about hell. And cometh unto the coasts of Judea by the farther side of Jordan. And the people resort unto him again. They came to him again. And as he was wont, or as he was did often, he taught them again. And the Pharisees came to him and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife, tempting him? And he answered and said unto them, Why did Moses, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away. And Jesus answered and said unto them, For the hardness of your heart he wrote you this precept. But from the beginning of creation God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And they twain shall become they twain shall be one flesh, so then they are no more twain or two, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. And in the house his disciples asked him again of the same matter, and he saith unto them, Whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another, committeth adultery against her. And if a woman shall be shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd help us to see what you'd want us to see this morning. God, I pray that you'd help us to see exactly what we need to see this morning. And in the weeks to come, Father, about divorce and about marriage and all that you have in this passage for us to see, God, I pray that you'd help us to see just that and for us to believe it and to cling to it. And God, I pray that you would just help us uh, to hear from you this morning. And God, I pray that you would help us to desire to know you better even through this passage, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to see this morning several things. In fact, in this section of Scripture, I see four major things that I want you to see. I'm going to go ahead and give you the first three, but we're not going to get to the first three this morning. I'll come back to the fourth, and the fourth is what we're going to touch on this morning, and we'll get to the other three. But in this passage of Scripture, I see three things that I, that I want you to see. Number one, passage obviously deals with divorce. And he says some hard things about divorce, but it also deals with, number two, marriage. Of course, you can't have a divorce without a marriage, and he deals like what God's definition and God's design of a marriage was from the beginning. And then number three, and I had no idea I was going to find this as I was reading in this section of Scripture, but he deals with the argument or he deals with the issue of just how many genders there are. Two. And we're going to come back to that perhaps next week or in the weeks to come. But I want you to see number one thing this morning is that we've got to be ready for the questions. We've got to be ready for the questions. And to be ready for the questions, we've got to know what we believe. Now, I use that theme a lot, but I saw it again right here 
in this section. There are some hard things that God says, or Jesus Christ teaches about divorce and marriage from the beginning. And he doesn't pull any punches about it. But do you notice the first thing that happens, or the first thing that's going on here is the fact that he is trying, well, let me just say it this way. He gets interrupted, and people ask him questions. Christian, understand this. You have the answers. We may not always understand the answers, but we have the answers. Jesus was the answer, but also he had the answers. Jesus is the answer, but also he had answers. He was a teacher. He was teaching the truth. And anytime somebody seems to have the answers or communicates, hey, I've got some answers, there are going to be people that will come and ask questions. And therefore, we are to live our lives. Listen very carefully. Uh, As we live our lives, I say live your lives to be different. Live your lives to make a difference. Live your life that is sure. But listen, live your life so that people want to ask you questions. You have the answer. You have the remedy. But you have the answers to life. And for, listen, opportunities will open themselves up if you live your life with the confidence that in Jesus Christ, I know who I am and I know what the truth is. And yes, I've got the answer. I don't mean in an arrogant way. I simply mean in a confidence that only can come through the knowledge of the Word of God and the knowledge of a relationship of Jesus Christ. People will come to ask questions. They will. That doesn't mean that we're not to go out and tell the good news, but people will come and say, what's the answer to this or to that? And I want you to understand, we have the answers. And you say, well, preacher, I don't know that I have the answer. If you're a Christian, you do know the answer. You may not yet know that you know the answer, but it's in you. But also the fact that you have the answer, because everything in life comes down to one of two answers, or Two answers answer everything in life. Satan and sin, Jesus and God. Everything in life, really, when it comes down to it, comes down to one of those two. Watch. Watch how this happens. Why do bad things happen? I'm just going to give you a few. And I'm sure somebody's going to come to me and say, well, what about this question? Basically speaking, everything in life comes down to, you can grind it down, Nuts and bolts to one of these two things. Why do bad things happen? Sin, Satan, the world's cursed because of sin. Uh, Why do people die? Sin. Uh, Why do people struggle? Because of sin. Not necessarily because of their sin, although that may be, but because we live in a sin-cursed world. Why, Why is evil? Why is there suffering? Why is there loss? Why is there sorrow? Why is there hate? Why is there racism? Why is there inequity? Why is there problems? Sin. Sin. People may want to argue with you about that. And Why are there arguments? Sin. Why is there divorce? Sin. Why is two and two four? 
Jesus. You say, what do you mean Jesus? Jesus is a God, God is a God of order, and so therefore there is math, and therefore there is reason, and therefore there is logic. Why? Why? Uh, the answer is Jesus. It is God. So therefore, if it's, it's either sin and Satan, or it's God and Jesus, who's really in control? God. Why is there love? God. Why is there birth? God. Why is there marriage? God. Why can there be goodness? Why can there be victories? Why can there be God? Who can fix our problem? God, Jesus. Who is the answer? What is the answer? Jesus. Everything, how can we, you say, well, what am I supposed to eat? Is that something? Listen, everything in life, life issues. And really, if you want to boil it down, what should I eat? Well, what does God tell me? I, sh I should take care of my body. I shouldn't just consume or overindulge or eat certain things or take certain things in my body, it still comes down to him. Why do I want to eat too much? Why do I want to eat the wrong things? Sin. We don't always understand the answer. We don't always understand how to communicate the answer, but we do have the answers. And so we need to understand that we do have the answers to life. And number two thing I want you to see this morning when it comes to this particular thing about knowing that you've got the answers and knowing that we've got to communicate truth to people is this. People will ask questions. I told you that already, but people will have questions. The Bible talks about be ready in season and out of season. It also talks about be ready to give an answer because people will come and ask you questions. If you live your life, as a life that has answers. If you live your life in the confidence of who I am because of Christ, and live your life in the confidence, and I have the answer through Jesus Christ. Now, as I often do, I tell people when people ask me a question, I'll say, well, do you really want to know? And then number two, I could be wrong, when I'm trying to answer a specific thing, I could be wrong, for example, about how something's going to work out in the Bible. I could be wrong, when I get to heaven, then God can tell me, and that'll be okay. But my point is this, is people will come and ask. You say, where are you getting this from? Because the, the Pharisees came to ask questions. But also the people came to get answers. As you're reading this passage, you see that Jesus was going along and he comes uh, after teaching one group of people, he leaves them and he goes down to the farther side of Jordan into Judea again and people are coming to him again. Why? Largely for answers. And the Pharisees come to ask questions. And the Bible says to tempt him. In other words, to test him. To try to trip him up. And so as we're having people that come with questions and we need, they're, they're coming to, we have an opportunity to give the truth and there are some people that are coming searching for the truth and we have the truth to give them. So there's three groups of people I think that generally come to ask questions. One is people that are genuinely seeking the truth. They don't have the answer, they want to know the answer and if you've got it, they want it and they haven't made up their mind they're not set in stone, and they, they may have an opinion, they may have a belief, but I want to hear what you have to say. 
because I want to know the truth. And if you're living your life in a confident way in Jesus Christ, people will come, and it's an opportunity for us to share the truth because there are people that generally do want to know what happens when I die? How do I get to heaven? Is this all there is? Is 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 really? Is, can we know what happens when we die? Uh, I need. Why do these things happen? What's going on? There are people who genu genuinely do want to know. There's also a second group, and there are those that are truly curious, but they've already pretty much, pretty much made up their mind. Uh, I'm sorry, let, let me back up and say it this way. Those people are the ones that are truly curious, and those are the ones that have not made their mind, as I said earlier. The second group is a second group that comes to find affirmation. They've already made up their mind for the most part. Now, they may be persuaded the other way, but for the most part, they've already made up their mind, and they're looking for you to confirm or affirm their position. There are people that come to me, and I'm just going to say, people that are going to come to you, and they're going to ask you a question, and they've already got in their mind what they think the answer is, but they want you to agree with them. They may ask you first. I get this all the time at breakfast. I'll get someone saying, well, preacher, what's the answer to this? And then sometimes before I can even answer, they'll say, because this is what I think. And I want to see if you agree with me. It doesn't really matter if I agree with you or not. Seek the truth. Seek the truth. But they've already determined their opinion and they want you to agree and support their position. People in social media, all the time you'll see this, where people want to be affirmed. They want likes and they want comments of, yes, that's right. I agree with you. That's what they're looking for. And then there's a third group that comes to ask questions, and that's those who come to find a fault. That's this Pharisees group was. The first, the first two groups, or the, 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 the first two groups are probably encompassed by the people that were coming to Jesus to hear him teach. Oh, some really were curious. They, they truly wanted to know. They had no idea. And there were some that probably had made up their mind, but let's just see what he has to say. And then there's a third group that's coming, and they're coming to, that's the Pharisees, they're coming to try to trip him up. They've also made up their minds, but they're not coming just to, they're not coming for affirmation. They're coming to see if they can cause Jesus to have a problem. Can we trip him up somehow? Can we, can we trick him into answering? There was two groups of thought when it came to divorce. One, and, and let me just back up for one second and say this. We often think that the world today, divorce is a major issue of our modern age, right? I mean, as far as, you know, we hear all the numbers, about 50% of marriages end in divorce. We hear statistics about how, and actually I was reading some statistics, and I'm not going to get a whole lot into divorce right now, but it, it, it's, it's a scourge in our life, and the, the fact that of all marriages, 50% will end in divorce, but that's actually of first marriages. Second marriages, it's 67%. And third marriages, 78% of third marriages end in divorce. And the higher you go, the worse it goes. But here's the thing that I want you to see. Divorce was an issue for them as well. 
And the reason we know that is because he's dealing with it. And what was happening was the Jews were saying, hey, listen, Jesus, there's basically two. We, now, you don't read this here because you've got to study a little bit deeper to get this. But there were two trains of thought. One was that you can get a divorce. That there was two rabbis that most people followed their teachings. And one taught you can get a divorce for any reason whatsoever. And the other one taught you can only get a divorce based on what Moses said, that there was some kind of uncleanness in the woman, and therefore you could divorce her. And they're coming to Jesus saying, hey, can you get a divorce for any reason whatsoever? You say, well, how do you know that? Because if you go over into Matthew 19, go ahead and turn there. I'm not going to get a whole lot into the divorce thing for a minute, but I want you to see there's those who come to ask questions. In the Matthew 19, it's the same passage. It's just coming from Matthew, and Matthew tells us this. Verse 3, the Pharisees also came in tempting him, saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause or for any reason? And so they were going under the more lenient teacher saying, Hey, he says you can get it for any reason. This other rabbi says you can only get it for one specific reason. What do you say? Because guess what? No matter what Jesus answered, he was going to upset somebody. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole divorce thing right now. We're going to come back to that. But my point is, there are going to be people that are going to come to you and they're going to ask questions and they really don't want to know what you think. They're just trying to trip you up. Knowing that, knowing that, I want you to see number three. We must tell the truth. We must tell the truth. Jesus, and the way he answers this, and if you, if you go and you look in the original language, the, the aorist tensed, no, no, I'm not going to dive into that real deeply other than to fa- say that there's sometimes you can see it's like a passive tense, there's sometimes it's an aorist tense, but the point is this. He says it without hesitation. He says it confidently. He says it boldly. This is what God says. And so therefore, we've got, as Christians, we've got to understand people are going to come and they are going to want to know answers or they're going to ask us questions for all kinds of reasons. But it really doesn't matter why they're answering. We have a choice. We can either not answer or we can kind of sugarcoat it and dance around the issue, or we can tell our opinion, or we can tell the truth. And we've got to be like Jesus and tell the truth. Tell the truth. We must not keep it to ourselves. We have the truth. We have the answer. We must not keep it to ourselves. There are some things that you could say, well, you know, just keep that to yourself. This is not one of them. This is not one of them. We must not keep it to ourselves. There are some things that we should never keep to ourselves. One is blessings. When God blesses you, don't keep it to yourself. If you do, and I've taught this before, and you've heard this taught before, I'm sure, but when you keep a blessing to yourself, it just dies with you. If God blesses me and I don't then turn around and bless somebody else through what God has blessed me with, it just died with me. And God didn't intend it that way. So don't keep blessings to yourself. Love. Don't keep love to yourself. Share love with others. 
demonstrate love to others. God loved you. If God says, I love you, and I'm going to die for you, and I don't ever share that love with somebody else, then that, in essence, dies with me. That blessing dies with me. But also, if I don't share the message of God's love, then it dies with me. Oh, we've got to share and demonstrate love, demonstrate kindness. You know, people are... Think in your mind, close your eyes for a moment, and think in your mind about the kindest person you've ever known. The kindest person you've ever known. You got them? You picture in their face? Why are they the kindest person you've ever known? Because they demonstrated that kindness. You can be the kind, you can open your eyes now. You can be the kindest person in the world. You can have all kinds of kind thoughts in your heart, but if you never express the kindness, that you're not being kind. If you never demonstrate that to somebody else, if you never show patience and grace through your kindness to them, you're not kind. Forgiveness that God has given us, and we're to forgive others, the Bible says. We should never keep that to ourselves. And the truth that which we have, we must not keep to ourselves. And we must not be afraid. Jesus was not afraid. He boldly told the truth. Now, the very last thing I'm going to do, and I'm going to be done, because like I, said, I don't have time to get to the rest, and so... We may get out early, and I know that makes you nervous when I say that, but we've got to tell the truth. But whose truth do we tell? It's God's truth. God's truth is who we must tell. We must not tell our truth. One of the phrases, and, and again, I'm not, a little audience participation, wave at me if you've ever heard someone talk about the fact of, well, that's my truth. Or I've got to share my truth. Anybody ever heard that before? All right, come on now. It's all over the news right now. People talk about, well, this is my truth. That's not what we're to share. I did a little deep dive in this because when I hear that, I'm always a little bit confused. What do you mean your truth? What does that mean? My truth is what I determine is true for me based on my opinions, my beliefs, my feelings, or based on circumstances in my experience. That's my truth. I'm going to share my truth. This is my truth. This is what it means to me based on where I'm at right now, based on what I'm going through right now, based on what I think right now. That's my truth. It's our opinions, our beliefs, our feelings. Now, that does matter in life. Our, our feelings, our opinions, those things matter. Please don't get me wrong. I'm saying, well, that doesn't matter. It does matter, but that's not God's truth, and that is not absolute truth. Our opinions, our beliefs, our feelings... Our experiences don't change what truth is. Two and two is four. Everybody agree with that, right? Two and two is four. Uh, 
right? Come on now, raise your hand, nod your head, something. Let me know. make sure don't got someone thinking two and two is five. I know sometimes we accept that in some places these days, but two and two is four. It doesn't matter whether I think it's five or 10 or 12 or 17. It matters as far as my grade. It matters as far as how I respond. It matters as far as what I do, but it doesn't matter as far as the truth. If I say two and two is 16, that doesn't change the fact that two and two is really four. So our feelings, our opinions, our perspective doesn't change the truth. Here's why that's important. Because, or here's how we can say it's also true. My opinions, your opinions, our feelings, our experiences, our circumstances change. Do they not? So what is true, if I say it's my truth, what is true for me now may not true, be true for me tomorrow. Let me demonstrate to you this way. I think most of you are with me on this, but let me demonstrate to you this way. Go back. All right. Looking around in here. I think everybody in here that's of the age to be married and have children has had children. All right? Think now. Before you had children and you saw a person do a certain thing with the child, and you said, I'm not going to do that with my kids. Saw a kid having a meltdown or something in the store or something like that, or maybe maybe you know screaming about something. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that when I have kids, or you know I can't believe they let their kids do that or whatever it is. And then you have a child, and what happens? You change just a little bit, don't you? You change just a little bit. What I thought I would never do, I am never, ever giving my kid a piece of candy when they throw a fit just to get them to quit crying. Never. I don't generally do it, but I have done it. Or whatever it might be. My circumstances, my opinions, my beliefs change. And I'm going to put it this way. I've watched it change when somebody goes, their child goes through something Suddenly, the thing that they thought, they always believed, they change. Or something doesn't go the way they want, or something happens in their life. And I always thought that it was supposed to be this way, but apparently it's not, and so I changed. And therefore, my truth isn't necessarily the truth, because I change, my opinions change, my beliefs change, because my circumstances changes, and my perspective changes, and so therefore, the truth changes. No, it doesn't. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His truth is absolute truth because he never changes. By the way, I may believe that I like somebody until they make me, or I love somebody until they make me mad, and then I don't love them anymore, but God, even when you make him mad, still loves you. He doesn't change. 
My truth is influenced by my faulty information, by faulty data, by my sin nature. My truth is influenced by anger and hurt and resentment and bitterness. But God never changes and is always the same. His truth is always the same. And God's truth is not based in anger or hurt or discrimination or any such thing. His truth is based in love and righteousness and is perfect. And so therefore, it is not my truth that I must share. It is His truth that we are to share. And that's the truth that Jesus Christ was sharing. It would have been awful easy for Him to just say, you know what? Do what you want to do. Live how you want to live. Believe what you want to believe. But He said, no, from the beginning, this is the truth. Here's the thing about God's truth. It's true whether we like it or not. It's true whether we want to hear it or not. And by the way, it also means we have to share it whether we like it or not. Whether we, somebody wants to hear it or not. Whether it's hard to hear or not. Or even whether we completely understand it or not. I look and, again, preaching the gospel and preaching about Jesus Christ dying on the cross and saving me from my sin, I don't always understand it perfectly. I don't, and I told you before and I'll tell you again, I don't understand why an all-knowing, all-powerful God would create mankind and put him in the garden knowing that he's going to sin shortly and that therefore I'm going to have to send my son to die in his place. I just wouldn't have done it that way. I don't understand it. I do understand enough to say, God, I'm a sinner and I'm, I'm wrong and, and you're the only way to heaven. And God, therefore, I put my faith and trust in you and what your son did on the cross and that he is God, born of a virgin, lived as a perfect example, died for me and rose from the dead so that I can go to heaven. I understand that much and therefore I can share that, but I don't understand why he did it that way. You see, we've got to share God's truth. And that's exactly what Jesus did. And even when it comes to hard topics, we've got to share the truth. But before we can share it, we've got to believe it. We've got to live it. We talked about that this morning in our Sunday school lesson. I'm just going to tie that together with the mentorship and how Paul, as a mentor, he walked what he was talking. He lived out what he was demonstrating to Timothy. And he told Timothy, you do the same. Well, lastly, so when do we share this truth? The hard truth. Well, there, there are some things that we are to aggressively go out and share. The good news of the gospel. Right? We're told, go out into all the world and tell people. So every time, we are to aggressively, ambitiously do that. But what about these hard things? Well, God gives us opportunity to share the good news of the gospel or to share the truth of divorce and gender and marriage. And so therefore, some things we are to address as they come up. People often ask me, why didn't Jesus teach more on homosexuality? It didn't come up. 
Why didn't Jesus teach? Why did Jesus only teaching right? You know, this place here about divorce because he was asked about it. And so my point again is this: if we live a confident life in Christ, not confident because of us, confident because of Him, and people come, they say, "Hey, what do you think about this?" Then we tell them. I don't go around beating people over the head over divorce or over homosexuality for that matter. I don't go and just poke people in the eye just to poke them in the eye. But there's times that God says, hey, you've got to share the truth on this. What do you think on this, Jonathan? What do you think about this, preacher? What's the answer about this? Then share the truth boldly. Jesus did not beat the drum over divorce. He, he did beat the drum over the remedy for sin, salvation, forgiveness of sin, uh, having a faith in him and God in heaven, a home in heaven, and for those who put their faith in him, he's coming again. He beat the drum over those things. So the question for us becomes this. Do we believe God's truth? Are we going to believe God's truth? Because here's the problem, even as Christians, the world certainly does this, but even as Christians, we want to pick and choose. I like that. I don't like that. This over here is okay. I can get on board with that. But this over here, not so much. We can't do that. What we've got to do is say, listen, this is God's word. This is God's truth, and I will believe it. I, I've referenced this before, and I'm going to reference it again. The bumper sticker. How many of you have seen the one that says, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. You ever seen that? No? Nobody's ever seen that? Must be a northern thing, I guess. I don't know. I always want to get a bumper sticker that says, God said it, that settles it. <laughs> doesn't matter really whether I believe it or not. It matters for me. But it's settled because God said it. So the question is, will we believe? And will we live it out? And will we be ready to give an answer for people that ask us? Not apologize, not saying, you know, I'm so sorry about this, but Jesus just said, hey, here's what God said, and it's been this way from the beginning. But here's the other question for you. You say, well, preacher, I'll do that. I'll believe what God says. And preacher, I'm going to say what God says. But will you love people even when they don't agree with you? Will you love people even if they don't want to listen to you? Will you love people even if they reject what you're saying? Because Jesus loved his apostles that asked him to clarify. Jesus loved the crowd that came out to hear him teach. But Jesus also loved the Pharisees that came to try to trip him up. You see, as we share the truth, we share it, as we say, in love, in grace, in kindness. And we share it as God leads us to share, and we, lead it, we share it as God brings us into opportunity to share. But we must not keep it to ourselves. No, listen, the worst thing we can do is not tell people the truth about God and what he says. Because if I don't tell you the truth, then I don't love you. And I don't really care. But God does care. 
And God does love you. And He wants you to know the truth, but He also wants you to tell the truth. Will you believe the truth? Will you share the truth? Will you live out the truth in your life today? And you say, well, preacher, what about the marriage? And what about the divorce? And what about, you said about genders? All that's coming. All that's coming. But determine today, God, what you say, that's what I believe. And that's what I'll live. And I will agree with you. Will you do that today? Let's pray. We thank you for listening to this message from the Word of God. At Pleasant Hill, we desire to be a help and a blessing to you. If you have any questions or prayer requests, or if we can be a help to you in your walk with God, we invite you to contact us here at Pleasant Hill by visiting our website at phbc.online. Thank you, and may God bless you. Till I cry.